Well, now, what an absolute pleasure to have to the show now, Trevor Toecracker Crook. Trev, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike. It's a pleasure to be on your show, buddy. Not as much of a pleasure it is to have you here. And uh, what we're going to do now is get to know a little bit more about the man behind the name, Trevor Toecracker Crook. And there's a few things we can touch on here. I mean, we can go back to Queensland, Australia. We can go back to sport and cricket. We can yep. go back to banking, finance and sales. We can touch on copywriting, and I think we might. We can talk about Gdansk and Poland, and we can talk about the international lifestyle, but we're not going to start with any of those. We're going to start <laughs> about those bloody shoes. Tell us about the toe shoes, Trev. Yeah, well, because a lot of people think that the, the shoes are due to uh, me buying a pair and I uh, call myself toe but I was actually um, staggering home drunk uh, way back in 2009 from a bar in Vancouver, because the next day I was flying to uh, Matt Basak's uh, birthday bash for Mark Joyner in Atlanta in 2009, and I spot the original Toe Crackers in this shoe store window. And I was like, they look pretty good. You know, snake skin inserts, chrome metal tips. Couldn't remember where it was. It was like, but when I got back to Vancouver from the, uh, from the event, I went back to the bar where I was and just retraced my steps and found them and uh, bought a pair, and then I just kept buying pairs of shoes, and they just seemed to fit with the... Uh, they fit my style, not in summer, but they, they fit. And, you know, people stop you. They Men, women, i got people wanting to buy them. i got people saying, hey, Toe Cracker, when are you going to get your own Toe Cracker brand of shoes? I'll buy them. So it's just something I like. They're definitely a, a talking point. And um, they're actually comfortable, surprisingly. Well, what comes to mind is when Toe Cracker wears those shoes, men want to be like you and women want to and you know the rest. So, <laughs> all right. Trevor, uh, you're living an international lifestyle, and you do post about this regularly. Uh, what is this like, this international lifestyle? It's almost like uh, the lifestyles of the rich and famous. Yeah, it wasn't planned. It just sort of evolved um, when I, from 2005 to 2006, I was still living in Australia and um, in the throes of the second divorce, but I had 10 trips to the U.S., and three to London to speak at, speak at various events. So I was constantly back and forth, and then I was like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, shit sit the fan. I'm going to go to the U.S. for a few months. And then just the, um, the travel bug well and truly gripped me. And I was like, I need to convert my all offline bit, well, 95% offline business, which it was, to all online. So I decided to make that transition, which wasn't an easy one because you do take a hit financially. But once I'd done that, it allowed me to just live anywhere with a good internet connection. And that's long before that old digital nomad term was, was ever put into circulation. And um, I've just been living that lifestyle ever since. You know, I've been fortunate to live in the Mediterranean, Malta for five years on the islands and live in Tuscany, Italy, and Poland, and Cyprus on the Mediterranean, but on the far side, Costa Rica, US, Canada, and of course, now I'm uh, home base is in Panama. It's just terrific to see your posts, as I do, and many of your followers do on Facebook, <clears throat> either at the Beers, Bourbon, and... Uh, business. Business, thank you. That was a cue. Um, <laughs> you reckon I would have that written down, wouldn't you? Uh, which, which is pretty much how I first came to know of you, although more personally that is, but I, I first started seeing the name Trevor, first of all, Trevor 
Trevor Toecracker Crook was always never was never Trevor Crook or Crooksy or mate. It was always Trevor Toecracker Crook in uh, different posts. And, and when I started back in two thousand and seven, Trevor started reading and following internet marketing, and so this is where your name came up. And of course, the name stuck in my mind, and also because you're a fellow Australian. And then. Um, Oh, I don't know when it was 2012, 2013, 14, something like that, when I saw you on Facebook and joined your group and got to know you and then be, was fortunate enough to be mentored by you. And we can talk about your mentoring as well. Uh, and, and, but this is this podcast, this show is all about the comeback and making the comeback. And, and many of the people, Trevor, listening to you and viewing you now on YouTube could be going through some kind of a setback themselves right now, coming through adversity. And as you mentioned there before, you've come through two divorces and anyone who's been through divorce would know and empathise that it just ain't a, a pretty ride in most cases. You've come through that, but at that time, at some time, uh, it wasn't easy for you. In fact, you went through a pretty tough time, didn't you? Oh yeah, and uh, I'm happy. I'm happy to share about it because yeah, if it just helps one person, then it, that's it's all worthwhile. So yeah, I mean, apart from the financial hit, mentally, it um, especially over you know children and stuff like that, it had me dancing with the devil. I mean, I was very suicidal for 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 many years, and uh, fortunately, uh, the two times I had a crack at it, I uh, I didn't succeed. And, um, but I was definitely in a dark place. So for, for many years and it would get worse around, you know, birthdays and Christmas and stuff like that. And what was interesting was in 2009, I did an event in, um, Calgary where the, uh, the Dalai Lama was there, Richard Branson, whole bunch of, you know, really highly successful people. And a gentleman by the name of Sean Stevenson, who was, you know, very, had a lot of debilitating injuries and overcame a lot of things. And I spoke to Sean. At, at the event after I'd bought his book and uh, he put it really into perspective for me. He said, you didn't want to die. You wanted your pain to go away. And that was the only way that you could rationalize to end your pain. All right. And that really, really hit me hard. And, you know, I wasn't ready to read his book. I tried and I just couldn't read it. His book is called get off your butt, B-U-T, all about self-sabotage. And then in 2010, just before Christmas, I'd had enough again, and I'd written a letter and all that sort of stuff, and I was going for a one-way swim in the Mediterranean. Um, I had a friend staying with me just for a couple of days, you know, before she was moving to England. And a re reality was she saved me because she opened the door as I was about to head out the door and not come back. And um, so it drained me for a few days mentally, obviously. And then, you know, once I sort of got my strength back, same thing I did every morning. I'd take my cup of coffee and go and walk out in my patio, which overlooked the Mediterranean Malta. I'd walk past the bookstore, uh, sorry, the bookshelf, but that particular book looked about 10 feet tall. It was time. And I read it. And that was the start of the, the comeback. That was the start of me having the mentality shifts that I needed to go, you know what? Um, you've got to do a lot of forgiving and get your shit together. And so I, the book was amazing. And that was the start of it. And then I did some self-development courses in the US, actually, uh, through a company called PSI Seminars. Uh, I did the initial one at three days. Then I signed up for the week-long program. And they really rip into you and, and rip into everything that stems back to your childhood and everything else that you believe people have wronged you by or you've wronged yourself for and help you put it back together. Mm. So it took a couple of years. It really, really did. But 
you know, once I started to get the head well and truly right, you know, I was backfiring on uh, not all cylinders, you know, I was probably on about four out of six, right? But then I suddenly got up to the six and holy shit, I'm a V8 again. And it was really, really interesting because that allowed me to realize that um, not only am I getting my life back together, it made me realize that I've been ripping people off, um, not intentionally, but what I mean by ripping them off is not being able to, not allowing myself or even letting them know that I could help them mentor-wise or, you know, like sharing the knowledge that I've, you know, learned over the years and been able to help a lot of other people with. So it sort of all came together, but it took some time. And, um, you know, now it's just, you know, unstoppable is an overused word, but I just got that feeling that, you know, I made, I've made some very big decisions that nothing is going to get in my way. And I'm happy to rebuild again because I was in that really stuck mindset, stuck like quicksand. It's, you know, that's why I don't really like the word mindset because most people's minds are set in quicksand. They don't know how to get out and have a mentality shift. But it was a, a Grant Cardone um, audio that I was listening to around 2014. You know, I'm starting to pull my head out of my, you know what? And he said something that's really resonated with me. And it was basically that because of the, I was still giving myself self, self sabotage because I'd been, I'd built myself up twice and I'd lost it twice through divorce. Although it's never 100% one person's responsibility. I took responsibility for my, my issues on those. But I'd, I was telling myself, what's the point of really building it again? Because someone's just going to take it off you. So I was in, you know, I was cruising. And I, as an entrepreneur, when you know how to generate income, you can also reduce your income to live, in my case, the international lifestyle, which has always been a good lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Right. But I realize now, and especially of the last, you know, good, well, in the last year, especially, that's not enough for when I do want to retire. You know, so yeah, I've been through the ringer and I've come out of it. I don't mind sharing it with people because, you know, when you get to those dark places and I've had people that I've helped as well. And when you tell them, you don't really want to harm yourself. It's just, you don't know how to deal with your pain. You don't know how to make it go away. And this seems the best solution. And I've even spoken to a couple of people this week who I'd connected through with my own group. And they're saying, yeah, you know, we're going through some stuff. I said, Let's jump on a call. Let's see if I can help you. I'm not selling you anything, you know, but I've been in a similar situation where you are. And let me give you some clarity on it. Thanks, Trev, for sharing that. And it might sound cliche from me to say to you, congratulations on making your comeback and coming through. Uh, but you know the sentiment and the intent when I say congratulations. And, and as, oh, as someone who's that. been through that myself, that path myself, I, I totally relate. And this is why I have empathy and, and, and a love for you and for what you do and the way you do it, Trevor. All right, mate. So, <clears throat> and that book, by the way, Sean Stevenson, the title? Get Off Your Butt, B-U-T. Yeah. You recommended um, that book to me when you were mentoring me back in 2016 or thereabouts, and uh, I've got it on Audible, the Audible version, and uh, I've listened to it multiple times, and I highly recommend it, and thank you for recommending that book, Trevor. So, yeah, My pleasure. You're an Aussie from Queensland. Uh, you played a lot of sport. You played cricket. Uh, you loved your sport, and you spent a lot of time and had your – correct me if I'm wrong, your first, uh, shall we say, business success in the banking finance arena, selling finance. Can you just touch on that part of your history? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, you know, I joined the bank at 16, right? Mm -hmm. And I'd left school when I was 14 years and eight months with a junior high school certificate. 
uh, and actually skipped year eight all except six weeks. So I was a little bit lucky, but I, I made a, I made a bet with the school principal and he, um, he accepted the challenge. Um, but so I go into banking and I'm this, you know, long haired lout, you know, hair to here and halfway down the back. And I start off doing the, the very first junior job and I work my way up and eventually the, um, the, the loans, one of the loans managers noticed in his words, my work ethic, um, because he'd be working late and I'd still be there in a different department, getting my stuff done for the day before I went home. So they invited me to the, to the loans department. And then I started to relieve in manage, management roles. And that was, this is like 1987 and 88. And then at the ripe old age of 26, I got my first uh, ever bank manager stripes. And I went from one side of the country to the other, to Geraldton in, in WA, which is the rock lobster capital of the, of the country. And most of my clients were very, very wealthy people because they're rock lobster fishermen. And so I just got to work my way up. And then um, in 93, I left a management position to move back to Queensland because my twin sons were very little then. They were babies. And, you know, it was quite a hard, a hard decision, it seemed at the time, to leave a management position for a non-management position, but I did. And don't regret that at all because the bank that I went to was very, very um, risk takers. But within six months, I doubled the income from the previous job and got a management position, which would have taken me 10 years previously in the other bank to get to. Right. And I learned a lot. I mean, my team, we do $150, $200 million in lending a year in the construction industry, mm. like big stuff. Um, and if, if the head office had a, one time they had a, they'd finance this massive, um, uh, oil tanker. So I'd have to go and do the, you know, approve the progress payments and do the inspections and stuff like that. But my banking days really led me to understand business a lot. I estimate probably, well, I stopped counting at 350 sort of different niches that I'd, in, that I'd interviewed over 10,000 business owners that I interviewed for, for loans and probably assessed at least 35,000 sets of financial statements. In 1996, I decided to become a finance broker and broker deals between the banks. And I got very good at that. Um, but then I was like, even when I decided that was the, the first realm into working for myself, I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm. And then in 2001, I get into this thing called copywriting after I'd uh, bought the non-exclusive resale rights to all of Dan Kennedy's products and books at the time for 25K. Yeah. Now, I didn't have the money because I was still reeling for my first divorce. But fortunately for me, the master seller accepted, accepted Amex, which I still had in my possession. So I dumped it on the Amex and then um, waited about two weeks to get the master set. I was like, what do I do? The bill's due in a couple of weeks. And uh, I happened to see an advert for a trade show in, my, in Brisbane at the time. So I called them up. Uh, what's your smallest booth? This size, what's the price? I think it was three and a half grand. You take Amex, yep, ka-ching. So I'd racked up about 30K on that bill. Took a risk, yeah. But when the bill came, I was able to pay it in full. Mm. Not only that was from selling products, but also I picked up my first ever copywriting client who I charged $10,000 for. Right, now I just it, thanks, Trevor. I just want to pause there because I've got it. I've got this written note. You know, if you could see my notes, I've actually got it written here. Copywriting dash first client ten thousand dollars, and I wanted to touch on that. I'm glad you bring it up now because you see it. I've seen it when I was copywriting. 
for clients and new and not so new cop- copyright copywriters who work freelance have a trouble with fees and getting their first client. And yet you landed your first client for 10K back how long ago? 2001. So, so, so over 20 years ago, first paying client 10 grand. And can I ask what's scale? What was the most you've been paid for your copywriting services, if I may ask? Um, 80,000. Okay, so right, that was grand. that was a group. Uh, that was a few projects for a client, individual, um, sixty four thousand four hundred and sixty four dollars from one client, and they still did owe and still do owe me some royalties, which I'll never see. But uh, look, when I, being an ex banker, especially in the in the lending lending area, where you're, well, I'm either proving deals myself. Like my last role, I could sign off a million myself secured, hundred k unsecured between. I was like the second in charge manager, the senior manager myself and our regional could sign off five, five million or 500, 500K unsecured. But everything was done in proposal format. If I'm sending a $20 million deal up the line to the ivory tower, well, sure, the numbers have got to stack up and the security has got to be there, but you've got to tell the freaking story. You've got to give that pencil pusher a reason to go, yes, this is a good deal, right? So when I got in the copywriting, I was like, well, why don't I just do a proposal to this guy, mm. right? And so I did. And I mean, that letter went on to be very successful for him. Um, you know, the copy helped for sure. But I've always done that format. And then in about 2012, I adjusted from the generic document that I would send to close people. Otherwise, I'd have a Zoom call or Skype back then. Yeah. Right. I'd have a Zoom call. I'd get off the call. I'd never give them a fee. I'd never reveal the fees on the call. Mm. I'd look at what we discussed and I'd put everything together in my document and send it off. And it was converting around 90%, right? Copywriting about 90%, mentoring, give or take similar rates. Yeah. And I didn't realize such a valuable document I had for many years. I mean, I was teaching it to the copywriters that I mentored. Mm. And then, you know, they're all doubling, not all, roughly 85%. And I've mentored a lot of copywriters. Around 85% would double their fees in 90 days as well. And I still didn't click that this was something that's even bigger. And but uh, about five years ago, I started to do a little bit of uh, done with you to some clients in different niches, tradesmen, consultants, coaches, and guess what? They're all charging more and they're converting higher. You know, I mean, when you can go from fifteen percent to sixty percent in ninety days in conversions, double your fees. You know, that's a four hundred percent increase in conversions. Let alone you've doubled your doubled your fees. And so I'm actually in the process of another situation is like, I need to help as many coaches, consultants, anyone doing a quote mm. to convert more. And a lot of people, you know this as well, you've, you're quite the master salesman, are fearful of selling. They hate that part of the process. So they'll put some lame-ass document together and they'll lowball themselves because they're fearful of getting no if the fee is too high. Yeah, And of course, they're always right. What I found really interesting was when I was mentoring, whether it's copywriters or people, you know, business owners that are sending some sort of proposals, but predominantly the copywriters, they had to send me their proposal to review before it went off Mm. to the prospect. Mm. And and a lot of times, Mike, I would just change the the fee and put it up. A couple of grand, three grand, four grand. Biggest one was a 5,000 US change for an Aussie guy. He was happy at his 8K because he thought to do the conversions. I changed it to 13. I probably should have pushed it to 15 because the, the client just said, yes, sent, where can I send you the money? So you got next to 5,000 on top of what he was going to be happy with at 8,000, which is obviously about 60% more 
But by him following my my template, my format, but me reviewing and going, no, I know that scope of work there is it's worth this. You know, that's just beautiful, I think, for people. And it just, you know, it changes their lives. So that's really cool. So that's, you know, part of my mission now is to is to teach that to as many people as I can. Because let's face it, you start converting more prospects, you start putting more money in the bank account. Imagine the impact that has on you, your loved ones, and the ripple effect on everybody else you touch in your life. Maybe you're employing people. Maybe you have a virtual assistant. You might spend more money at the grocery store. You might tip more at a restaurant. The ripple effect is just profound. You know, so I'm really, I'm buzzing about this because, you know, it's like, it's time. Yeah. I sense it too, Trevor. I sense the buzz about it. And, And can I just add weight? Uh, to the audience uh, watching you on YouTube now or listening to you on the podcast. If if you are a business owner, if you are a coach, a consultant or a copywriter or a freelancer and you submit quotes, as Trevor said, or, or, you, or you're thinking about maybe you should do it in a more formal way, such as a proposal, if you get the chance, contact Trevor. Uh, you're accepting inquiries for, for new mentoring clients yourself, aren't you, at the moment, Trevor? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so contact Trevor and uh, and... If you're fortunate to receive Trevor's uh, outline for how to put a proposal together, it, it is business changing, life changing, business changing, uh, because I went through that process, Trevor, and I received your proposal when I, before I became one of your mentees. And, and I, I just, whenever I, whenever after I, I uh, worked with you, you worked with me, you helped me, uh, whenever I quoted, I always thought of Trevor's. Um, advice. And in fact, I tagged something onto it. Uh, I would quote and say, for example, uh, my fee is $5,000. And once you pay me that money, you'll never see it again. And of course, that always <laughs> broke the, that always broke the, <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we'd go on and talk about, you know, guarantees and no guarantees and et cetera, et cetera. Trevor, um, you, you, you have uh, your second event coming up, I think in April or May this year at Gdansk in Poland. Is that right? Yes. It's uh, 16th to the 18th of May, all about market domination. Okay, tell us a bit more about that, or have you, have you already got all your seats filled? Uh, no, I don't have all the seats filled. It's a it's a three year delayed event due to Rona, you know. So I've had it sort of pretty much half sold for for a while. I'm just doing the doing the push now. Um, so I've got a you know people will learn a lot, obviously, but you know I've got people talking about you know Facebook ads, YouTube, LinkedIn expert, a couple of different copywriters, and uh, for actual copywriters listening to this, Paris Lampropolis is speaking twice and he rarely speaks unless you're a good friend and you can twist his arm. So I did that. And um, there might be one old character I did a previous event for that I'm going to get there as well. So I won't say that name just yet until he, until I've uh, got him locked in. But apart from learning stuff, here's the, here's the kicker. There are people at that event who are already doing good seven figures. There's a couple doing eight figures. There's many high, you know, people doing low to mid high six figures. The networking that happened at my previous event is worth people flying thousands of miles for to attend. Yeah, right. Yeah, you're going to learn something, but it's the relationships and the networking. I mean, I've got testimonies from the previous event where I was talking to a couple over over a couple of beers the day after the event, and I was like, "Well, you need to talk to that guy." And they said, "Why?" And he was an attendee; he's now one of the speakers. And I said, "Because he can help you." Struck a 25k deal between them. And then he's helping them, you know, blow their business up. One of the uh, one of the guys there's in the supplement space, and I used to mentor him. He was doing about you know, mid to, mid to high seven figures. And I said, "Well, you need to talk to that guy." And this is a guy that would never have done business with this guy if he hadn't met him face to face. 
right? There's an ad agency guy, right? There was a copywriter there, junior copywriter, who actually wrote the sales letter for me for the for the Poland event, helped her secure a 7K a month retainer and royalties with the supplement guy. Right. You know, one of the attendees became my business partner. You know, I keep my events to around 50 people plus the speakers so that everybody can get to network with each other. And I put on, I mean, when I have my parties, it's open bar and nonstop food, right? And it's um, a top-class event, Trevor. I've seen, I've not attended, but I've seen, uh, you know, um, uh, I mix in online in, excuse me, <clears throat> in circles of people that have attended and I've read the, the testimonies and feedback. And the common theme, the common thread is there's no other event absolutely no other event like it um, and so if you're in the market for uh, such an event where would people go online trevor if they want to know more about this event or know more about you or even make contact with you what's the best place where they can find you well, yeah i mean my email is just toecracker at gmail.com um if they go to smofo.com s-m-o-f-o.com and also obviously i'm on facebook you know facebook.com forward slash toecracker Okay. You know, they just mentioned the podcast because, yeah, I mean, there's an event. There is an event link, obviously, but it's a, it's a little little bit long right now to be rattling off. But yeah. yeah, I want you know, I set the self, I set the bar high for myself last time because at the previous event, you know, I'm doing a birthday bass for Drayton Bird's 83rd. I got John Carlton flying in from Europe. He's never spoken outside of the US. Bond Halbert, Matt Basek, these big names. You know, Ben Simpkin, Facebook's you know golden haired boy on. For, for buying traffic. Pauline Longdon coming from us. I had people flying in from all over the world, mm. literally to come to the event. So I wanted to make sure it was unlike anything they've ever attended. And if you can blow Carlton away, you're doing okay. Mm. Right. And he got blown away. It's, it's, I've got it in writing. Right. So, and I set the bar high last time, but it's, I've even raised it for this time. You know, people will find out when it's done and they'll see the, they'll see the videos, you know. Might have, something to do with, might have something to do with ACDC, but that, that's as bad as much. <laughs> okay, there's a little bit of a hint there. I know you're an Akataka fan. Trevor, yep. time always flies when you're having fun. And those uh, those links will be in the show. I'll pop those in the show notes. So if you're watching on YouTube, just drop down to the show notes. If you're listening to this on a podcast, just drop down again to the show notes and those links are there. Uh, so that's, uh, uh, did you say April or May? Pardon me, April. Uh, it's the 16th to the 18th of May. May. With a pre-event uh, four-hour, you know, open bar, free-flowing food the night before. Mm. 16th and 17th is a general admission. 18th is VIP day and VIP night. Okay, terrific. And this is 2023. Yeah. Trevor, toe cracker, crook. What an absolute pleasure to have you on the Comeback Coach podcast. Uh, I love you, buddy. And I love what you do. I love your posts. And uh, you are the Comeback King um, as far as what you've come through and how you've, how you've done it. And now you're kicking ass and and ripping a few apart while you're while you're on your while you're on your journey to wherever you're going next. That's always enjoyable, you know, when you can make someone cry and they for good reason and they embrace it as, you know, nothing personal, they have major breakthroughs. So, but I appreciate you having me on your show and appreciate our friendship as well and uh yeah, I look forward to being able to share the the recording of this to to my people. Yeah, that's terrific, Trevor. Thank you. And to you, the listener, thank you for joining Trevor Tokrago Crook and myself on this episode of the Comeback Coach podcast. Until next time, this is Mike Searles signing off.